Hello, one. Hello, all. Welcome into the Just OK Sports podcast as we preview week two of the college football season. And just to be honest with you, there's not much to talk about. Week one starts with a flurry with marquee matchups to get everybody hooked. And then it's like they wave the white flag, knowing that most people are talking about the NFL starting in week two. But as college football purists, we will continue to trudge on and talk about the game that we love. I'm here in central Kentucky. It's a beautiful day. Preston Wood joining us from Columbus, Ohio. Preston, how are things in Buckeye land? We're, we're doing good. Overreaction week. CJ Stroud is garbage. Ryan Day does not know schematics offensively. It's all it's all good. We fixed the defense, so now Ryan Day is the issue. So, Yeah, how dare you only beat a top five team by less than 20 points. Shame for shame for shame. So last week we had a lot to talk about. There are a lot of top 25 matchups, a lot of intriguing matchups. And just to be frank with you, there's not a lot of that this week. And so we're going to go through the top 25 matchups talk about anything else that might be notable uh, that we might be looking forward to. And we will recap the weekend that was next week as we look back on the college football season, uh, college football weekend. Probably in the same episode that we look back on what happens in the NFL. If you missed our NFL preview, it came out earlier on Friday uh, and our, this coming out Saturday morning. Hopefully you're watching this before college game day gets you ready and comes to your city. And Lee Corso puts on the Alabama hat because why on earth would he pick anything else this weekend? Uh, one, two, three matchups featuring top 25 teams. Number one, uh, the first game that's going to take place is Tennessee at Pittsburgh, uh, which I think is a pretty intriguing game we will get to see. Um, we saw Pittsburgh in a pretty marquee matchup last week. Tennessee, uh, a lot of promise and a lot of hype, uh, albeit with the ceiling being in the SEC East and also having Alabama as your cross-division rival that you have to play. But Tennessee, Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh uh, this weekend. Preston, any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, a lot of intrigue. I mean, Caden Slovis and Hendon Hooker, I think another intriguing quarterback matchup. Um, I'm a little bit higher on the ceiling of this Tennessee team than I am of Pitt. Um, like I said last week, I think Pitt lost a lot more than people were um, necessarily pointing out. I think Kenny Pickett going from an NFL quarterback to Caden Slovis. I mean, I'm just not how not losing Mark Whipple and his offensive um, innovation that he brought to that offense is big. And I think people have overlooked the loss of Jordan Addison for a team that doesn't necessarily recruit as well as Tennessee or some of these other teams. I think that Tennessee actually comes out of Pittsburgh, the Steel City, with a win. Yeah, I think this is going to be the test to see if Tennessee can stop people this year or not. Um, I think that's that was the biggest thing last year. We knew Tennessee could score. I mean, they even scored against Alabama. They scored fairly well against Georgia. The, the question is, can they they stop anyone? Well, Pittsburgh has a potentially potent offense. We know they showed some hiccups in their first week against West Virginia, but the, the, and Tennessee didn't have much of a, a uh, competition against Ball State. So I think it's a close game. I think it'll be an exciting game. I think it'll be high scoring. Uh, and I think Pittsburgh will win just because in the beginning of the season, I thought Pittsburgh was going to win this game, uh, but I think it might end up being one of the better games that we see this weekend. So we're split the split here, Pittsburgh on this side, uh, 
and it's not because I just can't stand choosing Tennessee. It's just, it's for real that I think Pittsburgh will pull this one out. Uh, Preston has Tennessee. In the swamp on Saturday night, Kentucky versus Florida, which is now a top 25 matchup because Florida went from unranked to number 12 after beating Utah last week. Kentucky comes in after a win uh, last week over Miami of Ohio. Florida, the favorite. Uh, Florida getting all the attention. Richardson getting the Heisman train going there a little bit. Uh, From an outsider point of view, and by the way, we will break down this game on the Closer Look Big Blue edition uh, that will come out later today. Myself joined by the future sports writer, uh, my oldest son, who will talk about this game. But uh, from an outsider perspective, uh, Preston, what, what do you see as Kentucky goes down to Florida to take on the Gators? I think the big question is how much are they going to put on Anthony Richardson's plate um, in a game where he looked very good. He looked very polished, like he's taken steps and strides forward um, last week. Um, I'm really intrigued to see how he responds and how he um, composes himself against a good Kentucky team. Um, I know um, I think this it's a good quarterback matchup. I mean, between him and Will Levis, I do think the experience of Kentucky um, and the steady hand of Stoops, I think that they are going to come out of Gainesville with a win. But, I mean, I, I'm really – I mean, I think this Billy Napier team, too, like I, I just – I think that's – not necessarily doubt, but just questions of how do they respond from a big win to start his tenure against Utah. I mean, all of a sudden, though, if you do beat Kentucky, you're talking about two very good wins to open your tenure, and all of a sudden you have the ball rolling. So, I mean, this is a big test for Florida, but I just think the study hand of Will Levis and the experience there will prevail. Once again, you get a more in-depth look at this, uh, a closer look, big, big blue edition that will come out on the feed uh, on uh, Saturday afternoon before the game. Uh, but at the beginning of the season, I said this was going to be a loss for Kentucky simply because it's Florida. And when you are a Kentucky fan growing up, that is just what you got used to. Even if you were the better team, which Kentucky uh, has amazingly, to Stoops' credit, been the better team for the majority of the last six years, um, Florida still usually wins. Now, if Kentucky wins this game, the narrative has changed because now Kentucky would have won three out of five and two of those being in the swamp. Kentucky's depleted at the running back position. Chris Rodriguez has still been suspended as they're waiting word on the NCAA for him to be reinstated. They lose their backup running back uh, to a tour, torn ACL. Another's dinged up. And the running game was non-existent against Miami of Ohio. And that's concerning. You need to open up the lanes for Will Levis to throw. I do think Will Levis will run more than we saw last week. He admitted, and the offensive coordinator both admitted, they held a lot back so that they didn't tip their hand too much to Florida. I think Kentucky is used to playing against teams like this where they can spy on the quarterback. It used to be a running gag in Kentucky circles that if it was a mobile quarterback, we were screwed. There was nothing that we could do about it. They have, uh, Brad White, they have schemed for this pretty well over the last few years. They they help people in, in check. Um, 
makes them work down the field. And so they're going to make him dink and dunk, and they're going to try to spy and make sure that Richardson doesn't go for any big gains. Um, but at the beginning of the year, I picked Florida to win. After week one, Florida's better than I thought they were, and Kentucky has a lot of questions. I think Florida wins. I think it's by seven. Uh, Kentucky gets stopped on a last-second drive to go and try to tie, and Florida wins and goes 2-0. and oh. And uh, I would say, I guess, and Preston, you can correct me if I'm wrong, would have the two best wins in college football so far this year. Absolutely. I mean, Georgia has the best win. I think nobody's going to dispute that. But I mean, like I said, man, this is a, this would be a statement, a defining statement made for Billy Napier. And all of a sudden, you know, all this conversations this summer about the recruiting woes and already, you know, some chemistry stuff going on, you know, is Anthony Richardson going to take the next step? I mean, if you, if he comes out and plays well, and albeit, you know, both games being at the swamp and I get that, but yeah, man, that's protecting your home field. That's setting a foundation. You're taking care of business in the SEC. You have a big out of conference win. You're all of a sudden talking about two top, what, two top 20? Where's Kentucky at the pools this week? Uh, they're just outside 20 or they are 20. I think they are 20. Yeah. I was going to say two top 20 wins. I mean, you you can't ask for a better start from Billy Napier at Florida. And, but I don't know. I, I, I just have questions and I'm in wait and see mode. Yeah, and there's also the, which has become a pretty tried and true um, trend in college football, that in week one, whoever looks amazing looks usually less amazing the next week, and whoever looks absolutely terrible doesn't look nearly as bad. So Kentucky didn't overwhelm Miami. Florida had an impressive win against Utah. So maybe that balances out, but I still have Florida. So we've just agreed on both games so far. We'll see about this third top 25 game. If you stay up that late on Saturday night, Baylor travels to Provo to take on BYU. Um, Baylor in top 10, BYU just sneaking into the top 25 this week. BYU a three-point home favorite. Uh, just to be honest with you, I don't know that much about BYU. Uh, I, I liked Baylor. Uh, I think that they uh, have a shot at winning the Big 12. And so just because of that, uh, despite the fact that it's going to be a pretty crazy crowd, I, I like BYU's stadium. I like their, their crowd for big games. But I think Baylor goes in and gets the win against BYU. I, I agree. I mean, I admittedly, I don't know a ton about what BYU brings, but um, Baylor was a team that, you know, between them and Oklahoma State were kind of on the doorstep last year contending for a playoff spot. And I like what Baylor has been building over there. And this is a game that I really could see going either either way, um, especially with the hostile environment at BYU, uh, one of the top atmospheres in college football. Um, but, no, I, I, I'm going with Baylor coming out of that. So I have the road teams going 3-0 in this. So I, that means yeah. I'm going 0-3. So. No, I, I think there would be uh, not very many wins that are bigger than what Baylor would do if they go into BYU and win this game. Uh, that's, that's definitely a resume booster for any argument that may come down the line, especially if they end up with maybe just one loss in the Big 12 and they're in the playoff uh, consideration for that that's a pretty good one to hang your hat on college game day heads down to uh, texas um, because we just can't get over that it's not the early 2000s anymore uh, as alabama goes to texas and i think all you need to know about this game is that steve sarkeesian in his uh, notes on monday 
started already making excuses for how this game doesn't define our season and how it's not going to, to, to define how we're going to play from here forward. It's not a lost cause if we lose this game. But that's not necessarily what you want your coach saying on Monday, is it? No, absolutely not. No, and then he – then you, I don't know if it was a thing where he's just like trying to throw a bone or like whatever, but then he had the feel good story. Nick Saban saved his career, revived his career when he was showing up drunk to games at USC and all that. And I get it, but I, yeah, that's not a good look for a team that, I mean, won like five games last year and it's week two and you're of your second year where you're supposed to take a little bit of a step and you're saying that. I get it. Probably doesn't define your season, but that's just not the energy that you'd look for your leader to be saying but yeah i think atmosphere is going to be fun i think uh maybe that keeps it close for a little bit but i just think alabama's got too much uh going forward and we'll, we'll get to see this is the measuring stick for alabama just like last week georgia and oregon we got to see okay georgia's really good i think alabama this is the first time that we get to see not necessarily because it's the greatest in competition it's just better than what they played last week we'll get to see exactly who alabama is and what they have um, but I would be very, very shocked if this was even close going into halftime. Uh, other top 25 teams uh, looking at schedule, like we said, there's not a lot out there. Um, Houston is top 25. They go to Texas Tech, a team that's going to throw it around a ton. Texas Tech actually favored at home. Uh, I actually think Texas Tech probably pulls this one off. Uh, the only one you and I discussed that we thought maybe possibly being another one is USC does go on the road to Stanford. Um, uh, I think there's just too much talent there. But I was curious if you had uh, an inkling of an upset there in Palo Alto. Yeah, I think just – no, I, I think USC wins the game. I think USC probably wins pretty hand, you know, big. But um, I will say that – I don't know, maybe there's some magic there that Stanford has, you know, that they can pull that off. But I, I don't like the odds of that. I think that Caleb Williams and that team, I think there's just intrigue with this being the first uh, road game of Lincoln Riley's tenure. I mean, you, Stanford is a team that traditionally has had success upsetting USC, especially you think back to those dynamic USC teams with Carroll when Harbaugh upset them. I mean, this is so far back that I don't think that that has any indication of what's going to happen on saturday i i like the i like the trojans coming out of there by about three scores or so yeah uh and the only other game that's intriguing to me you actually have a football reason for it and you can talk about it um but i'm super intrigued whether michigan covers the 52 and a half point spread against hawaii that is an astronomical number i think that they don't i mean i just i when you're setting a bar that high so many points yeah, I mean, that's so many points. Like, I mean, that's playing a perfect game, Kentucky, or, uh, Kentucky Hawaii not scoring. Um, probably Kentucky the entire game. Yeah, Kentucky. Um, no, from the football side, it's interesting. I don't know. I, I could see an argument made either way. Is this when Harbaugh announced that K. McNamara, the quarterback who beat Ohio State and went to the Big Ten title and won, and then – went to the college football playoff and I get that they got their butts handed to him by Georgia, a generational Georgia team. But, you know, when you say that he's starting week one and McCarthy's starting week two and the week two opponents, Hawaii, is this a uh, changing of the guard? Is this a way that you're trying to be like, Oh, he looks so much better. Or, or is this a way that you're trying to keep JJ McCarthy from transferring? 
um, and ultimately give it back to Kay McNamara. I, I don't know. I, I just don't think it would be a fair assessment to Kay McNamara or J.J. McCarthy to conclude that which one is the better quarterback for your team, which one gives you the better shot to beat Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State, go to Indianapolis by simply watching them play. Hawaii, a team that, I mean, just got the brakes beat off of them by Vanderbilt. So, I mean, I, I, huh? And Western Kentucky. And Western And demolished them last year or last week. So I just don't think, I mean, JJ McCarthy's probably going to be in the Heisman conversation after this week. So I, I, I don't know. I, I think you brought up a good point. Why would, so there's that old adage, you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one, right? You don't have a guy. But what, what are you going to learn against Colorado State and Hawaii? What are you going to learn that you're going to see and be like, oh, yeah, that, that will work in the horseshoe? Yeah, this is the guy we want us leading against Michigan State. You're not going to see that like because the competition is so so bad. Like I understand if you – Michigan plays – Michigan played Boston College week one. Okay, you put them both in, you see a little higher competition. What are you going to learn with two teams that aren't very good? Hawaii might be might be one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in in college football. What what are you going to learn? Right, I, I don't I don't understand that. I don't understand the logic behind it. But I do think you probably hit uh, the nail on the head by saying this is just this just keeps the quarterback around and not transferring right now. And you're in the transfer portal before week three. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think Michigan fans and Harbaugh himself would probably tell you that J.J. McCarthy's the quarterback that probably from a talent perspective gives you the best chance to run the table or to go do that. He was a guy that was highly touted out of high school, had an Ohio State offer. Um, you know, the guy had offers from pretty much everywhere, really highly touted, but same time. Came back to the mayor, beat Ohio State for the first time since 2011 last year. He won you the Big Ten title, whether it was him or whatever else. He was right. He was running the ship. And then he took you to the college football playoff, and he played well in week one. I just don't see a way that's logical to take the ball out of his hands. I mean, I get it. Like, if it's something that you genuinely think J.J. McCarthy is that much better than him, but if it's close or slightly tilting one way or the other, I don't see how you don't get the ball back to Kate McNamara. I, I just don't – I don't understand the nature of doing this. And I get you don't want McCarthy to leave and all that. But, I mean, they played both guys last year. So, I think that it might be something where they, you know, phase both guys in there. But I, I don't get it. You destroy the confidence of one of your two. And then if something happens to the one that you pick, the other one's confidence is already shook. You know, I, I just don't think that's a, a valid strategy. Um, but despite all of that, 52.5-point favorites against Hawaii. They're going to have – surely Hawaii's going to score, like maybe a touchdown. So can can they score – can they score 59 points? Can they score 60 points? No, they'd be, it has to be 60 points. Can they score 60 points too? That's crazy. Crazy to think about. Um, 
when you're week two of college football and they basically mail it in, this is what you have to talk about to make a podcast. But we are looking forward to the three top 25 matchups this week, and there'll always be some surprises that we'll recap on Monday when we get together and talk about the weekend that was in the world of football, both college and pro. Uh, we'll press the name the score this week for Ohio State, Arkansas State. Um. Arkansas State pulling the upset because Ohio State's offense is broke. Um, no, mm, let's go fifty-two to seven. Fifty-two to right. seven. Fifty-two seven. Uh, Florida wins over Kentucky. This is my pick. Uh, Thirty-five twenty-eight. Well, now we'll say thirty-eight thirty-one will be the final score there. So I have uh, in Western Kentucky. Doesn't lose this week either because they're not playing. By week. By week. They get two of them first playing in week zero. So, hey, thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to pass on uh, this podcast to uh, other folks. Uh, the link will be sent out via social media and love for other people to get involved in the sports conversation. Uh, this has been just an okay podcast. We're gearing up for a big busy weekend in football it's glad to be we're glad that it's back we'll talk to you soon